Hello everyone and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show's Thoughtful Thursdays, a place for thought-provoking, controversial, and cordial conversations collide. Today, I have a good friend of mine and Army medic, Christopher Vandermark, joining us. So stay tuned as we talk about some of the hottest topics in today's political scene, from defunding the police to the Biden scandal and everything in between. All right, man. So, like I said before, I know we've been good friends for a while, but just introduce yourself to the audience. Let them know about who you are, a little bit about whatever your political affiliation is, and then some things that you just want to see change in the political scene. And we'll start there, and then we'll go through a list of questions as we go along. Okay. My name is Christopher Vandermark. I'm a deputy in South Carolina. My original background is from New York, where I went for computers. Uh, I did four years in the Army, uh, got out, I uh, became a mental health specialist. Uh, from there, I moved south away from New York into South Carolina to become a deputy, and that's where I am now. My uh, political affiliations kind of lie in the, in the libertarian aspect um, of ideas. I don't really associate, I don't call myself a libertarian, um, but that's kind of where my ideals lie, is in that general small government. Um, yeah. Hear that? Uh, a, a lot less uh, outside, you know, uh, military or foreign aspects. I, I do understand that I differ from the liberal or libertarian aspect of things that I do agree with some outside, you know, interventions and um, associations, but I don't, I don't agree with just getting into everybody's business. Um, I do understand the same thing with, with, with government as far as um, government's intervention in certain things, and I'm 100% behind that. For the people, not to, you know, to get in people's way or to um, interfere with business or economics or anything like that, but to help the people out. Um, I, I do understand that, that government has to get into that, but I do believe it is a small government as needed to to move forward. That's kind of where my, my I can agree with that 100%. Yeah. Being a mental health counselor, I think uh, Joe Biden could use you. I need more than that. Um, um, with being, or at least somewhat affiliating yourself with the Libertarian Party. What are your thoughts on the current race and uh, our two candidates? So, as far as policies go, um, I, I side more with Trump on, on a lot of aspects and what he wants to do as far as, as his overall things. I, I don't really like Biden's approach to most things, and especially now you can't really tell what his, his political policies are especially when he's sitting there telling telling us as the american people that we don't deserve to know what his policies are until he's elected well and that is the thing is you know is waiting wait till after the election type thing doesn't work for me um and and i i don't agree with that from either side i don't care what you know what party you are is the fact is that you should tell us what your policies are what what you're trying to you know go forward with we as people we should know that you should never say well vote me in and then we'll see i mean that's Me going to a girl in the bar and being like, well, date me and then you'll see what kind of guy I am. Just, you know, like, no, like, you got to find out. Well, that doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'm not that pretty. So, you know, you got to, you got to tell us why we want to vote for you. We, you know, we want to, we want change. Everybody wants change. We want change for the better, of course. Um, but we need to know why. You know, sadly, with the, with the, the two currents, you know, it, and it's just, 
it's not even just the two candidates, but the political parties themselves, and it's developed into this back and forth, bipartisan fight, really, you know, and who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. Well, I don't care who's the bad or good guy, it's really who's going to progress America forward in, in the most positive way. Um, and that's. With that being said, I guess I'll ask you a question is that if you were a Republican or a Democrat, and if you aligned with one of them, mm-hmm. would you cross party lines to vote for the other if you believe they were the best candidate for America? Of course. You would, of so course. if you were a Republican, you would vote for a Democrat if you yeah. believe a Democrat yeah. posed better. Okay. Yeah, because to me, the, particle, the party affiliation is just a name. It is, that is all it is to me. I'm an originalist, and I believe in the government and how it should be run. I don't, I don't like to set myself up with a certain party or a certain you know, nomination. It's who is the best person, who has the best ideas for this country, who can you know, put in policies and lead this country forward into a better America. You know, and it's not, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative. It's none of that. It's, um, these are my views and I want to progress forward in a better way. That's how, that's how I view it. And that's, that's why I would totally, if I, we had a good Democratic, you know, person, I would go Democrat. You know, uh, I side right now more the Republican side. But unfortunately, we don't have a good Democrat. For now, I, I don't believe so at all. I really don't. I mean, uh, whether you're talking about Biden or uh, Harris, I don't, I don't believe that's effective for America in... In a positive change or a positive motion. I can agree with that. Did you watch the first presidential debate? I did. And your thoughts? Um, it, for lack of a better word, it was a cluster uh, overall. I think. It was a shit show, dude. It, it was. It was an absolute shit show. And, and, and it was. And it was the candidates. It was both candidates, and it was the moderator. The moderator was really terrible. You know. Um, it, As Trump said, he was terrible. Probably maybe the worst ever. Probably the worst terrible ever. Like, Chris Wallace was absolutely terrible. I agree. I agree. It was very... You know, I think it started out okay. And I think it really did start out as a kind of a... I want to say non-biased, but it did start out fairly equal. And it really did progress away from that. Yeah. Um, I think you could definitely see the the progression that Chris Wallace made yep. as coming a moderator of the debate rather than a member of the debate. And yep. President Trump himself even goes there and he's like, oh, well, I guess I'm debating you now. That's okay. Yeah, like I, he even I, made I, that I, statement. And, be, and before we even go farther, you know, like I'm not a quote unquote Trump supporter. You know, like he's my president. I support him 100. I think he's the best candidate for that now, and he's got great policies. I agree with a lot of things he does. I just agree, I disagree with a lot of things he's done. So you know, it's not me coming out here as a quote unquote I'm a Trump supporter. You know, all this stuff. I support who I think the best candidate is, and I believe he is the best candidate, especially out of the two. Um, he is willing, I mean, obviously he is over-verbal sometimes, but he is at least willing to tell you what's on his mind. And the opposite side is Biden won't tell you anything. Most of the times he, he, you know, feather foots around things and, you know, I don't, I want to know what your policies are. I don't want to say, hey, wait until you elect me to tell me your policies or, you know, tell me directly what's going on. Um, that's why... You know, Trump does get in trouble, obviously. In the debate, that was kind of the issue with the fact that he was just hammering things. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, as, as equal as the talking points go. But he did get the raw end of the deal because the, the moderator didn't take control. He didn't take um, initiative to stop and, and really make it even. With talking about the debates, with this, the second and final debate about, I think... We're sitting at about 25 hours away. What would you like to see from both candidates? Not just one or the other, but what would you like to see going into tomorrow's debate? True talking points. Uh, so, um, 
I, I do, and I know a lot of people don't like the idea where you're you're stopping, you know, somebody's mic and, and starting another mic. I, I actually do kind of like that idea, but my issue is I want true talking points for a longer period of time than two minutes because you can't explain a policy, a complicated policy, to run an entire country in two minutes. You need far more time than that. Um, I would I would like ten minutes per talking point per person, and I, I would like interrupted. Un, I'm sorry, uninterrupted. But at the same time, the moderator needs to keep on track. I don't want either one, you know, going from like this is our topic to you know some you know off fringe crazy thing. I, I I want them to keep them on topic for ten minutes. And if our president can't talk about a major issue for ten minutes, then he doesn't need to be president. Period. I can agree with that. Um, in regards to topics. We know police reform is a huge hot-button item in America currently. Seeing that people on the left believe in the defund the police movement and your mental health background, what is your actual thoughts? And I'm not just asking you, obviously, because of your law enforcement career, but obviously your mental health background and I'm talking about bringing mental health professionals in to law enforcement. Like, spectrum instead of, while defunding the police, what are your thoughts? Okay, so when I was a mental health counselor, uh, I worked hand-to-hand with police. uh, we did most, uh, most of the time we didn't need police to assist, assess the situation, but there are times in a counselor, you know, even, you know, a psychologist, someone even on that level, or a social worker, they can't handle a situation. They're not trained for it. They're not qualified for it. Um, there are certain things that go beyond words, you know, as law enforcement, we understand that, you know, things go past the point where you can just talk somebody out of something. You know, whether that's a mental health issue or a drug-induced, you know, state, uh, there, there are certain points where you can't do that anymore. Um, and I worked hand-in-hand with police. Uh, we had specialized police in that manner, which I feel is is much more successful in progression with the mental health issue um, is to have better trained police. It, and that's the, it, it's not defunding the police because then you're going to have less. The issue is quality and quantity. If you defund the police, you're going to have less. You're going to have less quantity. You're also going to have less quality, so you're going to get worse and fewer cops, which means you're going to have a rise in worse situations, like the ones that you know people try to portray. You know that you're going to have more of those because you're going to have less trained officers. So what you're saying is, instead of defunding the police, we need to invest in police, oh, and maybe not in just lethal training, but maybe mental health training, drug training, whatever training it may be. Yeah. That more money needs to be invested into law enforcement. I agree. Instead of defunding it. And, and I agree. And, and to me, it's not a bad, bad problem to bring in these external, you know, people, social workers and, and counselors. It's not bad to bring those people in, but they need to work hand in hand with the police. It's not either or. It's a both situation yeah. because, uh, you know, like fire rescue or EMS, you know, it's the same idea. They call on us to do scene security, you know, and we work hand in hand together. Yeah, I definitely thing. don't think that I could do half the things that EMS and medical personnel do. Agreed. At all. Agreed. And it's a hand-in-hand situation. It, it's a collaboration more than it is bringing these guys or these guys. It's bringing both. You know, police, we're a security aspect. You know, our job is to, you know, assess the situation for safety reasons beyond, you know, just us, but the public as well. Yeah. So, you know, bringing us in with someone who's mental health, you know, uh, in the mental health field or... Um, you know, in, in that aspect, you know, just put a collaboration is way better than choosing, well, send in this person or this person. So better better funding would, would elaborate with that. All right, Christopher, I'm about to ask you a very, very loaded question. Okay. Do you think that law enforcement themselves are overtly racist and that law enforcement was designed to specifically push, like, 
slavery narratives? No. Um, I mean, if you look at law enforcement, I mean, anyone who's been in law enforcement, criminal justice, which is my educational background, is you know you learn it, Sir Robert Peel, and, and most people know that, and that was that was long before you know he had nothing to do with anything as far as slavery or race or anything. That was back in, in the days of England, and and that was ideals that were just fundamental to humans in general, you know. So the policing's been around for centuries. You know, it's been around longer than just America and the issues that we have now. You know, policing's been a very very long established thing. So no, it has nothing to do with the, the race aspect of things. Now is the racism, of course, no matter what policies, procedures, laws, anything you put in, there will always be racism. It, it, it is, you know, bad ideas of humans and, and people are inherently good and people are inherently bad. You're gonna get you're gonna get racism in there somewhere. So you can't get rid of it. Now how can we you know, can we equalize people and the law and everything? Of course we can and that and to me, when I roll up on scene, nobody is any different. They're all the same. And you know, most officers I've ever, ever dealt with, had, whether I was in law enforcement or not, I have never seen that. You know, I work hand in hand with every culture, every creed, every you know ethnicity and race out there. You know, and there are always going to be good and bad. Whether it's you know civilians, officers, you know, different. There's always good and bad, no matter what. You can't get rid of it. You got to be careful with that. Trump got in trouble for saying that there's good and bad people out there so well that's inherent in everything and I, I, I would I would beg to differ that anyone traveled this world outside the United States for any in any extended period of time you're going to see bad and bad <laughs> good all over the world not even just in the United States all over the world that's true speaking of what you just said then then where do you think America turned wrong and how do we get to the place where we are now where we have organizations like Antifa Black Lives Matter, all of, the, and even the, the alt-right groups mm-hmm. that are on the opposite group side of that, white oh, supremacist groups, yeah. to speak of the same, where now you have them rioting in the streets, specifically Antifa and BLM, mm-hmm. over the facts that law enforcement are openly racist and are oppressing African and minority Americans. I mean, so, this... Uh, that's a very complicated question because there's a lot involved into it. You know, there's the history side of things, the social aspect of things. Now, do I believe racism plays a part in modern society? Very minor. Does it play a part in policing? No. We have training specifically against that. You know, you come to a scene, you know, scene and, and that has nothing to do with policy or policing. That has to do with the person. In common decency. In common decency. I say all the time, it takes zero effort to be a human being. Now, now, do we have bad things in our past? 100%. America, like every other country ever, there, ever. You know, slavery is nothing new, and it, and it was terrible, and all these, all these inequalities, injustices, really, were terrible. And I agree that they were bad. Now, can we change that? No, because that is the past. I can't change my actions. I can't change everything else. But... I can go forward with, you know, being good now, doing the right thing now. Um, now, of course, there's a lot of aspects in as far as where crime happens to race-specific things. You know, understanding that policing is heavier in African American communities because you, know, you get into certain areas, inner cities, where crime is a lot more prevalent. Um, you can go with like the Ben Shapiro aspect of things, where you know, obviously. African-American community has a lot less, you know, fatherhood 
uh, rate. Um, so you, know, you can go to. The I think Candace Owen says that all the Candace time. Candace Owen says that as says well. Says that the Agreed. the way to fix the I guess you could say social injustices in America is to put the father back into the home. Yep. And I think that I can definitely agree with the idea that when there is fatherless homes, and unfortunately the African-American culture suffers from a higher single motherhood yeah. than any other Agreed. like race, then you're going to have, that has led to a higher crime rate within the inner cities. And unfortunately, law enforcement doesn't patrol areas based on their race. You patrol based on a crime, it's just unfortunate that crime happens to occur more often in that category or in those neighborhoods. That's exactly exactly the point. And you know, and, and finding a solution to that problem isn't saying that police are bad. You guys shouldn't patrol here. You guys shouldn't do more here. It's finding the reason why there's crime in this area and fixing what is feeding that crime. You know, obviously, the single motherhood rate is one aspect of things. Culture is another one. Um, I'm a big, big proponent of, you know, understanding what led to the 80s rise in rap music and gangster music and, and all that stuff. Um, I understand what rose to that because of bad policing, bad policies, um, you know, all the history behind that. I understand that, and that rose to an, an anger in the urban communities. But what happened was I feel that fueled a culture that decided, well, I'm going to do bad things because that's how you view me. I'm going to continue on with this. And you think that led to where we're at now? That now we've got reached, I guess you could say, the precipice of that? I think of a movement that began in the 80s? Did, I, did, I think it did. Uh, I think it really did push that that issue. I think that's very thought, like intriguing. That I've never thought of that, but thinking like the Rodney King riots and mm-hmm. things like that, I guess you could think of that poise certain people against law enforcement. It's a culture thing, you know, as much as anything is culture really describes a nation. And when you push a culture that, you know, is infatuated with violence and gang activity and all these, you know, criminal activities, you're gonna have a rise in that. So influencing a community of young African Americans that, you know, this is the thing to do, you know, that perpetuates more crime, which perpetuates police activity, which perpetuates the... The mindset against them. Exactly. Which then perpetuates the first behavior. And it just snowballs. And that, that's, that's how I feel as far as you know, what really led into where we are today. And it's a lot of culture aspect of things. Granted, the United States has a bad history and you know, we, we slowly progressed into something better. You know, we're at a stage right now where, you know, I, I feel it's pretty good. If we could come together as far as people and understand that, you know, there was some bad stuff in the past and move towards a better future, fixing those underlying problems in certain areas that have more crime rate. And it's not even just inner cities. You also have it out in the rural areas where you have, you know, predominantly, you know, white people and they have bad cultural upbringings and they do bad things. I, as, a, as a county officer, I deal with that all the time you know I don't deal with a lot of the inner cities I deal with a lot of the outskirts and, and you have that too as well there um, so it's not just a black or a white thing it's 
an idea, you know, it's, it's people's thoughts and processes on how things go. Sadly, the inner city believes in a lot of these things, and that's where a, a majority of people are. It's a condensed area, so you're going to have a lot more police activity, and you're going to have a lot more of the situation. So as far as the racism side stuff goes, is policing, I don't believe there is racism in policing, but I do believe there are ways we can go to fix the, the communities that are having issues with you know, heavy police areas. And I, I do believe there are things we can do for that. And that's, we need to find the underlying situation yeah. and fix that. I think that's, I think that's probably the best answer I've heard. I'm going to completely shift the gears, bring us all out of defend the police movement and some, but we're gonna kind of keep track on the culture ideas. So a few days ago, the New York Post broke a story regarding Hunter Biden and a bunch of email scandals regarding him May have implicated Joe Biden in receiving who knows how much money from foreign government. And Twitter shut it down. Twitter blocked the URL from being shared. Twitter then suspended the New York Post Twitter account. Woody, being obviously a libertarian and minimal government involvement, what do you think the correct course of action is? And what are your thoughts on Twitter doing that? Okay, so... I know we spoke briefly. We, we've, had about it. That we've had discussions about this. You know, obviously, it's like it's you know, it's like a store. You know, it's like a Walmart or a Kmart and anything that you know, Twitter. You know, all social media is privately owned. They are public access, like every store. Like you can go into a store, it's public access. Um, you're allowed to just go in there. You know, no matter what. But they still are a privately owned place. So they say, like Walmart says, "Hey, I don't want you here." You have to leave. Like, that is how it is. You know, people don't understand that sometimes, that even though something is public domain, it's still privately owned. That means they control what's in it. They control the rights. Exactly. So, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, all these things, they do have a right as a private owner to do this stuff. But what they're doing is censoring people. Now, if you were saying, I'm a true public domain, and you can post, that's fine but now you're censoring people's voices. So now you're taking political affiliation sides, uh, and specifically in this situation, it's very much taking a political stance on things. I definitely agree. I think that it shows a, a stark political divide because on the social media giants, Twitter, Facebook, they both did it. Okay. Facebook, Facebook has gone from using its own people to, in quote, fact check, whatever. Outsourced it to a third party, party fact checker. So when that third party fact checker shuts it down, it's not Facebook shutting it down. It's a third party fact checker. And I think that is very, very bad. The American people should be able to decide. It doesn't matter if it's true, false, you don't like it, you don't. The American people are more than capable of deciding, unless you're Miss Senator Harris, who said that the American people are incapable of making decisions for themselves. So. Agreed. And, and you know, as we, we discussed before, it's a really good First Amendment situation. You know, do, do these, these platforms have the right to censor people? You know, is I it, think it poses a very good constitutional question. You know, it, is it their place to censor certain people and not other people? You know, as a public domain, it, no. As a privately owned business, yes. And which is a sad part, you know, but... We really need to look, is it, is it constitutionally okay for them to you know, censor specific people? And it comes down to the psychological aspect. Are they doing it in some sort of manipulative way? Are they trying to, in, and that's what it comes down to, for me personally, is are they trying to influence you know, a government shift in politics due to their favor 
through their through their you know because social media has social such media. a reach like you figure that out there's almost every American from the age of what probably seven years old plus Agreed. has some form of social media Twitter Facebook Instagram LinkedIn Reddit whatever it may be has some form of social media yep and, and so it's everywhere. It's in, in every business. It's in government. I mean, there are, there are government establishments that use Facebook, you know, to put out information. How this podcast has its own Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. And a lot of sheriff's departments do. I mean, for, I think that it's crazy to think that a business would take such a stark alliance and then censor the American people. Because New York Post is not some low-level, like, the Island Packet here or the Beautiful Gazette or something like that. The New York Post has authority behind it and is a mainstream media platform yeah. where people go to read their news. Okay. And for a social media company to step in and completely shut down something, especially something so controversial yeah. that could lead to huge ramifications for the country, me personally, I find that to be unacceptable. Especially on top of that, you know, since they will post other things. Yeah, openly. Um, the whole situation with uh, well, Donald Trump. Look, and the, his, with the Steele dossier. Exactly. The Steele dossier had zero facts behind it. It was all from anonymous sources. Agreed. And they didn't censor that. That was all over. I think yeah. President Trump and the Russia collusion was on the mainstream media for six months. Headline news every single day. Yeah, it was pushed. And that's, that's my issue with this is it silences things in, in a way that, you know, to me... Is, is if you're manipulative, if you're censoring things for a goal. Now you're appeal, you know, party affiliated. You're really pushing towards a party. And that's not just free speech anymore. You're not just censoring free speech. You're, you're doing it for political aspects of things. And political that's, gain. Exactly, political gain. And that's a difference. Um, and that's where I kind of have the issue about now is it free, you know, are you, is it a free speech issue versus, you know, are a political affiliation issue you know are they doing it for certain gains um, and that's that's where I have the issue with the whole situation my question to you then is going to be obviously with minor government involvement I'm an originalist I don't like government involvement you know this if I could put government back to deal with foreign defense and foreign trade I would do that and give everything else to the states with that being said what do you think the government's reaction should be and how arching and reaching should their response be to the social media platforms? Okay, so, and I know we had topics there, discussions about this before, and my problem is, as someone who believes that government needs to be real minimal, I don't want them to step in and involve, but if you're using your, your power to swing voting, to swing ideals, and again, it's that manipulative thing. It's not just throwing out there, uh, here's my business and we kind of run it. There's, there's a, a goal behind it or an objective behind it. Now, government to me should step in and say, is this a free speech issue? Is there something you know, we can do as far as you know, not limiting the free speech of people? You know, if you're targeting people. Now, see, that comes down to a business targeting a specific set of people for their beliefs or values. That to me is unconstitutional. You know, businesses are not allowed to target people because of their their beliefs and stuff like that. So, I don't... Well, I think that it falls into a really common question about, like, going... I don't know if you remember, maybe about a year or two ago, there was a Catholic bakery that refused to serve a homosexual couple mm -hmm. because of their racial beliefs. 
and the government slammed them. Yep. Now you turn on this. The problem is that Constitution does not protect your political views. It does not protect your political views. But there's some form of that same idea that we don't discriminate people for any reason hold true to the fact that you can't just censor an entire 50% of the population based on a political view because you don't like it. And my belief, if you're going to do that, turn your Twitter domain into a private domain and only allow either the left community, Democrats, whatever it be, to be on that. Then you can censor whatever you want that's not... That doesn't relate to the other 50% of the population. So the other side of this, though, as a mental health person, someone who loves psychology and loves that aspect, the idea behind social media is different in in the whole idea between a a concrete brick-and-mortar business. And brick-and-mortar business is, you know, sitting here, it's making you a product that if you want to come in, you can go to the blog. So, but that that brick-and-mortar business isn't going into your, your direct life and feeding you information. So what the issue of this is these social media platforms push specific information into what you know you're doing, into your phone, into your computer. That's the issue. It's it's a manipulation. It's you know putting out there the information that they want you to see. And the reason behind that is because they want you to think a certain way. That's the issue that I have. It's it's a manipulation aspect of things. It's these social media platforms put specific ads out there. Um, now, first of all, I look at a lot of Republican stuff. I don't look at a lot of Democratic you know, things. If my ads are based on Republican views, why do I get majority Democratic or liberal ads? That's true. My YouTube is full of, of Jamie Harrison, yep. Joe Cunningham. In the state, yeah. It's all over yep. my Facebook. I agree. All over my YouTube. So with talking about like manipulation and things like that, I think that rolling into our next topic, that the manipulation that is currently occurring in the Democratic Party regarding to the Supreme Court nominations is incredible. They continually say that it's unconstitutional, that, that there's no precedent behind it, even though from leading from the 1800s, presidents have nominated um, Supreme Court nominees and then the Senate refusing to confirm them from whatever the, for whatever reason it is. We're seeing the same thing now with Amy Coney Barrett's hearing where the Democrats are saying, well, it's unconstitutional. Well, you know, I knew Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution says that it is the president's job. Yes. It's up to the Senate whether or not they want to confirm it. And I'm a firm believer that, well, as Obama said, there are consequences for losing an election. That is what he said. So you lose the presidency in the Senate. Well, the consequence is that when they, when they can or nominate a Supreme Court nomination, the chance that it's going to get a vote when the Senate and the problem and the president are the exact same party is very high. So with watching it, what are your thoughts on Amy Coney Barrett? Watching the hearings, watching her perform, watching her just be berated by um, Democratic senators, Cory Booker, Senator Feinstein, all of them just wailing into her. What are your thoughts on her? And then how do you think she's going to do for the Supreme Court? Okay, so I mean, coming back to what you talked about originally as far as nomination, um, the Democratic side and the Democratic um, politicians said in other times, the ones that the same ones now having issues spoke before about, you know, well, he's still the president. He still should have that pick. Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. Exactly. Uh, the idol, the notorious, who, she has her own, like, hashtag. 
and Notorious. She, and she said that RGB president. So and they, they, they were okay with it before, and why are they not okay with it now? Obviously because it's not their side. You know, but I don't, I don't <laughs> but like I said, I don't care the side. The point is, he is our president up until he's not our president anymore. Period. That's just how it is. Up until the day he is removed from office and someone else takes he is the president. And he, his job is to fill those constitutional exactly. duties till the, so if he, he doesn't fill those constitutional duties till the three-year mark, till I, the next campaign begins. I agree. So if he wants to do it now, if he wants to wait and, and give it you know, the time, that's his choice. That's his choice. That's period. That's just how how the, the system How our made. republic has worked. That's if that's the case, made. then that means the last, what, one month away in 10? That means the last 10 months and all the COVID issues aren't technically his fault because he's not the president anymore. Agreed. And my coming to your, your question about it is it shouldn't matter to either side. It does matter because we've obviously seen from the Democratic Party that they do want to pack the courts. It's been a hot topic. We're actually going to get to that. That, so, that court packing is actually going to be my next question for okay. you. All right. So so coming back to it, the reason that it shouldn't matter because she isn't original. She believes in reading the law for what it is. She doesn't believe in, you know, her affiliations, her beliefs. She believes in reading the law, interpreting what it means, and then establishing that into the modern day. I love that. As someone who doesn't like party affiliation, that to me is the fundamental of the judicial branch. It's not taking this side or this side. It's saying, this is what the law says. This is what it was meant for. And this is what it means. Well, that's a problem that the Republicans have faced for many years. Extending way back, probably, I'd say a decade before Roe v. Wade was passed. So we're going to go on a history lesson real quick. I'm going to go on a quick tangent because this actually really upsets me. You go on a tangent, I'm going to have a drink. Hey, well... Unfortunately, I drank on mine. Okay. You did all the well, talking. Then you need to go on a tangent. You, you did all the talking. So, about a decade before Roe v. Wade, the left and the Democratic Party and legislature, when they have been unable to pass legislation, because the Supreme Court has swung in a on the liberal side for the last probably twenty years or so, that they use the Supreme Court as an extension of their legislative arm. So Roe v. Wade, they could not get it to pass the House. They took it to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said yes, and they effectively legislated from the bench. They created a law from the bench, where the Supreme Court's not supposed to do that. The Supreme Court's job, at least since 1803, since the since repeal of the 17, Judicial Act 1789, and that gave them judicial review, their job is to review the, the legality and the constitutionality of the laws, and then decide on certain factors regarding the way that the law is interpreted. So fast forward to now, Amy Coney Barrett threatens that. Amy Coney Barrett threatens to swing the court back conservative, back to like the same thing that Judge Scalia wanted, being an originalist, believing that, that there are checks and balances. That the legislative branch, it when, get, when it becomes too ambitious, the executive branch, can veto it. The executive branch becomes too ambitious. The legislative branch can defund it. And when both the legislative branch and the executive branch become too ambitious, the Supreme Court can step in and strike down the legislation. And that is what, in my opinion, is their biggest concern. I don't think that they care that Amy Coney Barrett's 
is a Catholic. I don't think that matters. I don't think they care that it's a woman. I don't think it cares any of that. I think that it cares because it specifically threatens their ability and their power to just oppressively make laws yeah. without going through the correct legislative process. And that's just... Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. And I mean, you look at how many you know, legislators are religious, Catholic, or Christian, or stuff like that. I they think are. More than, they're all yeah. like Judeo Christians for the most part, besides Ilhan well, Omar, who's a Muslim. Okay, for the most part, exactly. So they do, I mean, that's, I mean, so to attack her for this, you know, when you have your own beliefs, you know, to attack her on these such personal level, it's not attacking her as, you know, what you've done, your actions. You know, it's not attacking her really on like what her beliefs are in government it's attacking her on her personal beliefs and her personal level i don't agree with that at all in the least uh the fact is i i understand people's you know they're you know they look at an originalist and they're like oh like you want things like well you know you well you should cook on an old pot and you should take a horse and carriage that's not what the belief is in could you imagine they probably like it they would probably <laughs> be about a horse because i cut down on emissions oh of course well, you'd just be uh, stepping in dog poop everywhere we go. Know, I'm a conservationist. I <laughs> absolutely love the environment. But there are certain things, you know, we need to move forward on. Away from that, back to this, it's the fact that, you know, it's the originalist idea not to, you know, stay in the past. It's to take the ideas of the foundations and put them in the modern world. What they actually meant. So not necessarily yes. the way that we perceive them, but how the founding fathers actually intended exactly. them to be used. Coming back to the free speech idea, the internet and free speech. You know, there was no internet back in the day. And I, I don't think James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, John no. Jay, Thomas Jefferson, I don't think any of them would have, if they Agreed. could see the internet today, Agreed. if they could see that we are reaching millions of people right here. Yeah. That Of course not. And, you know, the, the things that you could put out there as a common man, you know, they didn't have that. But taking that original thought process idea, that, you know, fundamental thoughts and putting it into today's society you know that's an originalist you know that's what they're here that's what that's what that branch well, is here to do speaking of originalists a lot of the left believing that the constitution is a living document that it's it's a living constitution that it is malleable in a in a way that oh well it may have been true then that doesn't mean that it's true now but if that's the case in the, the bill of rights those unalienable rights are those malleable no those are 10 black and white rights Freedom of speech, freedom, right to bear arms, right against legal certainty, right to due process. All of them. Hell, the 14th Amendment that emancipated slaves and made slavery illegal. Yeah. Are those malleable? No. And it, see, and my so, thing is, it, the malleable part about it, and I look at it as a tree. You know, it's the roots that grow up into the stem, into the branches. And now when you get to the branches of a tree, it's going to grow on different paths. It's going to expand. It's going to have new things on it. You know, fruits and leaves and branches. It's going to have these new things on, and it's going to come down to this base, this tree, and these roots. You know, those roots in the tree are not malleable anymore. The top is. You know, so these things are changing. And how we change. Exactly, and how okay. we change as human beings. But the the core is the same, and we got to take the understanding from the core and bring it up to the top, and then understand these new things. You know, we have to we have to give these meaning, and we have to understand them through the core of things. And that's how I view it as far as it is malleable in the aspect of there are new things out there. So we have to understand how the original idea is now, you know, going to 
work for those those things. And you're not going to change the original idea, but you you got to figure out what that means for these new things, the internet. And of course, well, we talk about guns, the Second Amendment. You know, what does that mean for AR-15s, Armalite 15, not yeah. assault rifle, but you know, you, you have to understand like what what these things meant back then, what, you know, the core ideas mean for these new branches, these new things that are happening. So do you think that Amy Coney Barrett is going to do good things if she is not confirmed in the Senate? If she's not? If she is. Oh, if she is. Oh, yeah, of course she is. And and because she, she stated so many times, it's not my ideas, you know, I'm here to interpret the law for how it is. And she said that, I don't know how many times, but that's her belief is in in the, her her governmental belief, not her social or her personal belief. Her governmental belief, her job. You know, she believes her job is to interpret the law for what it is, word by word, into the new world. You know, so now, for those listeners that are on the left, do you think that Amy Coney Barrett is a direct threat to women's rights and to women's reproductive rights? To me, I, I find that absolutely silly in today's age. Um, most people are not a far left or a far right person. Most people in the United States, a huge majority of people are very much in the are middle. somewhere in the middle. They're pretty much exactly, and they understand that women's rights are not going anywhere. You know, they're they're not going anywhere. Um, as, as, as I'll tell you from my history, I grew up in an all female household. I grew up with a very strong mother. She began in the salt mines back in the seventies. Now, women's up until the 70s, didn't have rights to work in the salt mines. There was actually law saying you couldn't. They were finally allowed to. My mother started way back in the day. It was a very male-dominated, very patriarchal, misogynistic yeah, area very, of the world. Obviously, because she, she was a very strong woman going into that field. So I grew up with a very strong. My mother was a diesel hydraulic mechanic in the salt mines. When I tell people that, they're kind of blown away. Back in the 70s, you know. That's crazy. It, it was an amazing thing, especially, I feel that that to me is a real feminist, a good feminist, someone who's not, you know, here to, you know, pull it over into the, you know, one way or the other. It's equal rights aspect. She believes in everybody, you know, has a right to do things. I'm a hundred percent behind that. I grew up under that. I grew up with my mother. She taught me a lot just about life. And I grew up with my three very strong sisters. So I understand that women's rights are a very important thing, as in everybody's rights are. Women's rights are no different from men's. They are equal, period. I don't believe that that she is going to change that whatsoever. Now, coming down to the big issue that most people have is the Planned Parenthood and, and what they can do and all that aspect for... Um, Abortion, and I really think that's kind of the the, the core issue of quote unquote women's rights. Yeah, so women's that's, reproductive rights. That's that's the that issue exactly. Okay, so that's that to me is what I believe when people say women's rights is it comes down to the abortion rights, and it's not reproductive. Rights. So do you think that she'll try to overturn it? No, I don't. I really don't think she's going to try to overturn it. Um, I think that if legislative came legislature came back in front of her mm-hmm. regarding it. I definitely think that she would strike it down. I definitely think she would vote against it. Okay. But I don't think that she would openly. And and that is because of not necessarily her 
Catholic beliefs because she said if she thought that her beliefs would get in the way, she'd recuse herself from the vote. She yes. did say that. Yes. But on top of that, I don't think that the Supreme Court has the votes. But they'd probably get Kavanaugh yeah. to vote against it. Yeah. Her maybe to vote against it. Toledo maybe might vote against it. Mm-hmm. But Joe, Chief Justice Roberts has significantly voted on the left. Mm-hmm. Of course, the other four conser- or liberal judges would vote for it. I don't think that the Supreme Court has the votes that it would need, even with ACB on it, to overturn Roe v. Wade. I agree. Uh, there's uh, okay, so I can, I can agree with that. My you know my personal beliefs on it. I don't believe in abortion unless there's specific reasons, medical or you know obviously. And we've had discussions about this about you know if there's a sexual assault. So, that, yeah. Something, and that's my personal beliefs on it. Now, as a libertarian, I don't believe that my beliefs to be imposed on anybody else's. I don't believe that I should have the right to say what you do, you know, quote unquote, with your body. Now the discussion needs to come down to what is your body and what is someone else's body. Now, is this quote-unquote an appendage of yours or is it truly another functional human being? Um, see, now that comes down to my issue. So if, if that's the case, you know, I... It's definitely another living human being. And so we even have legislature for this, you know, specifically if I, and so especially, you know, it's state-by-state basis, but... So if a man or human, if there's one human that shoots a pregnant lady, knowing that she's pregnant, kills both her and the child, they can be charged for that. So why can you be charged for that, but she can have an abortion on the child and not be charged for it? You know, so, you know, there's, there's these, there's these legal situations that, you know, arise. That kind of support the pro-life movement. Yes. And I, I... and pro-life to a certain point. I was about to ask you, are you pro-life or pro-choice? I, I am, I, I'm actually both, to be honest with you. And, and it's the fact that I am pro-life personally. You know, like, within reason, of course. But I am choice in the aspect of I can't choose what you do with your body. You know, and that's to me, is kind of a, an inner battle that I always have with myself. You know, my personal, like, I would I do that? Yeah. But what should you do? You know? And I think that goes just back to your libertarian roots that yes kind of like you're not really hurting me you're not i guess you're not really hurting anybody else but is it right but is it wrong yeah should the government be involved in that or yeah. should it not be involved in that it's a huge battle yeah. for me and of course um i i will say no to late or late term abortions period yeah i don't believe in it if, if you have gone this long if you've gone nine months and it's being born or eight months and <laughs> You decide you want an abortion, there's definitely a different problem. Yes, unless there is some crazy, like, if this child is born, you're going to die. You know, or like uh, Ben Shapiro says, if you have cancer and you have to have this, I understand that right of He's so un- or misunderstood in that. Yeah. And that he's just some overly just misogynistic, pro-life prick that doesn't yeah. understand those things happen in life. He understands things happen in life. Yep. But you making a bad decision... And not wanting to live with the consequences of your bad decision yeah. is does not you equal you needing to kill a baby. And, and there are other paths that, that you know, especially nowadays, you know, as far as you know, adoption and stuff like that. There's other things that you know that can that can be involved in this situation to try to save us from diving down that rabbit hole. Because you and I we sit here and talk about this all day. Yeah. I want to get to some big thing, another big ticket item of Joe Biden of court packing. So he's been asked in Arizona. He told people that he would not 
answer whether he packed the court or not. He's told reporters time and time again that American people didn't deserve to know his answer. He refused to answer the question on the stage of the, of the first debate. So what are your thoughts on that? And if Biden is elected and that does happen, what threat is that to America? Oh, it's a huge threat. I mean, you're, you're unraveling the idea of the three branches. You know, the three, the three branches are set up for a very specific reason. The judicial branch, like we've talked about through, through the Amy Barrett thing, is supposed to be a interpretation purely. Like, its idea is the purely is supposed to interpret what the law means and, and from what it says to what it means and apply that into legislation, not imply legislation from laws. Basically, and it sounds kind of redundant, but it's not using the court to make law. It's using, using the court to understand and interpret interpret law. what the ideas are fundamentally. Not to be like, you know, this is what we want it to mean. What it meant core values back when it was made and then put it towards today. So do you think if Joe Biden's elected, he'll pack the court? Of course. And that's not because of Joe Biden. That's because of his, his political affiliations. And that, yeah, that's and it's a time time again. And I'm a firm believer. Joe Biden cannot handle his radical left. He is not strong not. enough to stand up and oppose the radical left. Hell, he wouldn't even denounce Antifa. He wouldn't even announce or like accept the existence or acknowledge the existence of BLM and Antifa. And to think that he's capable of standing up to the radical left and the idea of packing the court. Uh, okay, is, so, I mean, if you want to be honest with it, Joe Biden is a shell. To me, he is a shell. That's why he can't handle it because he, when he's, I killed me that he's I'm like, I the Democratic Party. He really is the Democratic Party. He himself is not, but he is the shell for them. They are. He's like a vestige. Exactly. He's a vessel of all these other people. You know, I mean, he is, you know, the person there, but he's not the one making the decisions. It is everybody behind him making those decisions. That's, that's, what, and truly, he was right that he is the Democratic Party, but not in the way I almost choked on my whiskey left when he said that. Yes, not in the way he thinks that, but he is the Democratic Party because he's just there as a front man. Yeah, he is definitely just a vestige, and I think they chose him. Okay. So when you think of like all the people that, whether you had Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, for instance, mm -hmm. um, all Elizabeth Warren, the slew of Democratic candidates mm -hmm. that they had the choice to choose from, why did they choose Joe Biden? Because Joe Biden is, is meek. He's not capable of standing up, for, standing up against them. And they know that he's Sleepy Joe, for lack of better terms, and that they can use and manipulate him to get the votes. Because oh. everyone's like, oh, I'm just, I'm moderate Joe. Here I am. You know me, I've been doing this for 47 years. Exactly. And so he's something that, I guess, a trustworthy face. Mm -hmm. For the moderates, that is just going to be manipulated, exacerbated, and exacerbated by the radical left. Well, and it's more than, I mean, obviously it's a radical laugh, but you're, you're talking about moderates who, you know, obviously, or, you know, fence-line people who are are thinking, well, 
you know, I don't want you know all the bad stuff said about the right side. I don't want that, so I'll vote for this well, guy. I don't think necessary that the moderates are going to be the one using him. I think he pulls the moderate vote mm-hmm. because of his how he just portrays himself. I see that. But the radical left is going to use him, is what I'm saying. So they they, they oh. chose him to because the radical left will be behind him just because he's a Democrat, mm-hmm. and the moderate vote the moderates on the fence voters will vote for him one because he's boring, and we've had the last four years of reality TV in the in the White House. Okay. And, well, that's what they're I mean, then, they're betting on is yeah. the fact that people are going to see that they're going to. They're going to, you know, obviously push the narrative like, you know... You make people are tired. They, you yeah. don't want that. Come yeah, to me. Exactly. You know, I'm going to change. I'm going to make things. And it's really not It's really not setting policy forward. Like, this is my policy. This is what we're doing. It's, look at that guy. We want to make change. Well, show me what direction you're going in for that change. That's one thing. But you're not showing me the direction. You're just saying, that's a bad man over there. Vote for me because I'm a nice old man. That's really what it comes down to. Exactly. But, you know, in, in the aspect, you know, when you look at South Carolina, as far as we work, you know, you get these vulnerable adults. Basically, in my idea, from, from our aspect, that is Joe Biden using a vulnerable, vulnerable adult. adult to press your narrative. And he has shown time and time again that he... he he's he, he's incapable. Well, Nancy Pelosi and... Um... Who is also mentally failing. <laughs> I mean, they were, at their uh, time, they had some peaks, but these people... So, Nancy Pelosi and that senator made a bill to create a separate commission, an independent commission to evaluate the medical condition and the mental condition of the president. Uh, unless you're expecting there to be a removal of Joe Biden yeah. in the next election, yeah. you're not making that for Trump. Trump's presidency is going to be, according to my watch, is going to be up... Before that commission even stands up. Yeah. So, uh, what are you preparing for here? So, Speaking of vulnerable adults. So, I, and I do believe, and I've thought about this before, is this a setup that they that 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 party doesn't believe that the American people would vote for Harris, but they believe they'll vote for Biden. And they use and they use Harris. I'm sorry, Biden as a Trojan horse yeah. to the American people. Yeah. Now, am I going to go out there and like throw that you know out to the wind and tell everybody in the world? No, but do I believe it? I think it's. I can believe it. Well, there's all those conspiracy theories, and I'm not one of them. Yeah. But you've heard them talk about even Kamala Harris, the Harris and Biden campaign. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so I, I've heard I can agree. With I've that. heard it before, and I I do see where that is a huge possibility. Um. She's and Kamala Harris is dangerous. And both of them are. Like, I think it's very, very funny how the left supports both of them. And I say this, and I'm not trying to push a racial divide, but that big ticket item, like BLM, Antifa, police reform, Biden, the Law Enforcement Reform Act of 1993. Oh, yeah. Harris has prosecuted more African Americans than probably any other state prosecutor in the United yeah. States. Oh, yeah. And she so they sit there and hear them talk about that. Yeah. It's just. Blatant hypocritical. So I'm going to ask this very last question, and it's going to be a big ticket one. What are your thoughts of the Biden, like scandal or Biden Gate, everything with Hunter Biden, and what implications do you think that's going to have to the Biden campaign? As we said, almost what is today the 21st? As we said, almost 13 days out from the election. Yeah. So we we talked a little bit about this before. I know I mentioned this. So when I when I look at things through social media and all the other platforms, 
I, a lot of times, don't just look at Republican stuff. Like, that comes from my news feed a lot of times because that's kind of, like, you know, what I really what I really get into. Like, whatever your search history is. Yeah, that's, yeah. But there are certain things that when I go through, I look through very liberal or, you know, left-wing, that type like of... Like CNN, Washington. Yeah, you know, York, exactly. York, and I, I read through just to see what they say. Like New York Times, and, Washington Post. You know, it, it's kind of... It, it's very interesting to see through a lot of stuff. And, you know, I brought up the point where, you know... The left says, you know, they're trying to use this as a last-ditch effort. But like we discussed, like, it wasn't Trump. It wasn't his administration that uncovered this stuff. It was totally separate, you know. And, you know, it came to light that he was in this huge scandal and all this other such. There's evidence of this. And it's being highly suppressed and it's being investigated. Well, and on my show yesterday, well, it released earlier today... Because we're recording this tonight, the show that I released earlier today, there's a picture of Joe Biden with the son of an oligarch that is business partner. And in that picture is that oligarch's son, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and another member of whatever company it was for. And there's documentations of conversations uh, of them and and other other people that they said, I know. Biden himself has said, I've never talked to those people, but you've had conversations documented with them. You've had pictures, your your son Emails. has pictures, you know. And to tell me that, you know, I don't know what my son is doing, but I'm very much in my son's life is absolutely crazy to me. You know, you're gonna tell me that you're such a family man and you're involved with your son and all this stuff, and he goes and does all these things, these big things in his life that you have no idea about, that to me is an absolute lie. No one is that no one is that stupid to believe that. You know, to tell me that 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 is your son, that you believe so highly in your son and that you're so involved with his life and everything, but you don't know this stuff. That's silly. And the fact is, there's documented proof. So what do you think about the fact that he lied to the American people? Well, I'm not surprised, obviously, um, for two reasons. One, because who wouldn't? I mean, in, in your, you know, if you were caught... As far as taking money from foreign entities while the vice yeah. while being the vice president of the United States, exactly. You know that, and you're running for president of the United States, and you don't want people to know that. Of course, you don't want people to know about that. <laughs> Who in the right mind would admit to this? You know, like, oh yeah, I committed treason. Now, of course, you're not going to admit to it. Yeah, but you're pushing a narrative that is not real, and you're running for the highest single seat. In the United States, you know, and technically, in my opinion, to be the most powerful man in the world, your yes. your reach is unlimited at that point. Yes. And if well, and if you are able to reach and engage in that treasonous activity as a vice president, what are you going to do as a president? You no, know, say I don't. So I don't like using the word most powerful person because he himself is part of those three branches, and there's certain things that he can't do. Best. Well, what I mean by most powerful is that he's the most powerful person in the world. I understand. And, and given, and I mean that by his influence on foreign Yes, I, I can understand and that foreign aspect. governments. I can very much understand yeah. that aspect. Um, and I believe that the man should be in jail like most of the politicians out there. Even Republicans. Some, there are some plenty of Republicans, Republicans that have, I hear you on that one. Many of them. Um, but there has been documented proof that he has committed treason. Period. What implications do you think it's going to have for him? Do you think that it'll hurt his election potential? Well, of course it's going to hurt the election. That That's hands down. But like the Clinton administration and all them, will it really hurt them? No. 
in, in the in the overall scheme of things that I would like to see, no. Because I would like to see real justice in the fact that, you know, they do speak for their crimes. They will not. That should happen. Probably never. They really won't because of the power that they hold, of course. But will it hurt the elections? Yes, of course. Like his election prospects. Oh, of course. You know, in you know, of course. We've not. already seen that. We've already seen the polls in about the last three days mm-hmm. tighten tremendously. Paul, um, Biden was up almost seven points on the 12th of this month. Mm-hmm. And a poll that came out on the 19th of this month. Yep. Trump is now up one. That's an eight-point shift in less than three days. And it's going to hurt him severely. But that's not the only aspect that's going to hurt him. You know, there's, of course, there's other, other things that we've talked about. And I really think the polls aren't conclusive to really what's, what's going to happen. Now, am I an advocate for Trump? Not entirely. Do I believe that he should be the one of the two voted in? Hands down. Of course. Biden and that whole administration, that whole set of people are absolutely corrupt. Not only are they corrupt as politicians, they're corrupt as people. They really want the worst for America. They want control. Systematic dis- decimation exactly. of our... Values and institutions. Exactly. They want that control. They want to change America to be able to control it far more than they already do. You know, I believe that we've already controlled America too much. 100%. Minimal government interaction, like I said at the beginning. Moving back, foreign trade, foreign defense, leave everything else to the states. Well, Christopher, it has been great having you on, as always. I appreciate being here. I can't wait to see what happens next. And then, well, I guess we'll find out what happens in the election from here. All right. So...